The hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. So long, farewell, Vita Zane, adieu. That's what investors were singing to the month of October. Most people are glad to see it go, and you really can't blame them. October was a notably bad month for the S&P 500. It's 7% loss. Well, it was good for the 33rd worst month ever in the post-war record book. But that's not the whole story. Had the month ended before its robust bounce in the final two days of trading, it would have been the 12th worst. At its lowest point, a half hour before the October 29th close, the index was down 10.5% for the month. For the month. Yikes! With moves like that, it's understandable that investors got a little unnerved. Monthly declines of that magnitude are almost always associated with bear markets. Are we entering a bear market? Well, I answered that last week, or rather I gave my two cents. No, I don't think so. I suspect that earnings growth will keep us going for another year, especially now that the price investors are willing to pay for earnings is about 15% off its peak. In other words, the market multiple has contracted. The price investors are willing to pay for stock has gone down, but the earnings haven't. I suspect earnings are going to continue to grow because they rarely contract in a meaningful way outside of recessions throw in some monetary accommodation and a little fiscal stimulus, it's hard for me to see a recession over the next year. Heck, you have forward earnings estimated to grow at about 9.5% for the next year. So I think October was nothing more than a valuation reset. So to October, I say, so long, farewell, Avita Zane, I do. Welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today. I'm going to try and do my level best to give you at least one idea, one concrete idea that you can take away and do your research on to see if it makes sense for you. You always need to do your own research. If you're looking for someone to help you along the path, well, please consider us. Studies by folks like Morningstar and Vanguard say that a good advisor could be worth as much as 3% a year. I think we're better than good. I've been getting questions. Questions on Apple. Has the apple fallen off the tree? Apple certainly had an uglier month than the market. At the beginning of the month, shares were trading at around $235. And here we are, close to 200. If you bought then and have it now, well, you're down about 15%. Apple did announce earnings about a week ago, and it seemed to me that they were pretty solid, though next quarter's guidance was a little light. What also upset the Apple cart was that they said they weren't going to release unit figures for the iPhone, iPad, and the Mac going forward. And that means 
an analyst's job just got a little harder. On the positive side of things, the average selling price of the iPhone increased 28% year over year. Services grew at 27%. And other products, basically the watch, other products grew at 31%. So there were definitely puts and takes here for sure. Earnings and revenue came in higher than expected. Revenue was near $63 billion, billion and earnings came in at $2.91. So year-over-year revenue grew at better than 19%, almost 20%, and earnings increased better than 40% year-over-year. Those are great numbers, right? Numbers like that, you would expect the stock to go up 15%, not go down. Again, they, they being Apple, they said next quarter revenue would be about Oh, 89 to 93 billion. And that was slightly below, below consensus. And they gave three reasons for this. One, currency. Currency exposure. They expect about a $2 billion headwind this quarter. Emerging markets was the other one. Emerging market pressures, which is another way of pointing out the currency issue. And then number three, new iPhone timing. Understand, analysts compare numbers quarter over quarter, year over year. And this current quarter last year was when they launched the flagship models, you know, all the new iPhones. So they're going to have tough comparisons year over year. So let's look at this. Apple has gone from trading at 12 times earnings a couple of years ago, or as I like to say, ridiculously cheap to about 19 times earnings, not so cheap. Now, with the stock trading back around $200, I think we need to take a look here. My guess is earnings grow about $2 over the course of the next year, going from about $11.70 this year to about $13.70 next year. That's a 15% grower. If I'm right, and you buy the company at 200, well, you're paying about 15 times next year's earnings. Not as cheap as they were, but it's not crazy, especially for a company of this quality. If you strip out the cash, it looks even cheaper. Apple has about $25 uh, a share in net cash, meaning after they pay off all their debt. And they just generate a ton of free cash flow. The bottom line is, The market on occasion gives us opportunities and we need to take them. I think Apple symbol AAPL at 200 is one of those opportunities. People have also been asking me my thoughts on the housing sector. And if you've been a listener for a while now, you know that I like a few of the housing related stocks. D.R. Horton, the home builder for one, symbol DHI. The U.S. housing market was bound to experience some indigestion from a 100 basis point rise in mortgage rates that have occurred over the last 15 months. But the underlying fundamentals of the sector look healthy to me. Yes, yes, I know affordability has deteriorated, but I wouldn't call it stretched relative to history. Vacancy rates appear low. Household formation continues to rebound pretty briskly, which underpins the demand for homes. 
the, you know, the millennials are moving out of their parents' basements and starting to buy these starter homes. I don't think mortgage rates are going to go down, but I do think the pace of the increase will abate. So too will the pressure on the housing sector. With that said, I like DHI of all the home builders because they have that first time buyer's home model. I just think they have a really good business model. Okay, it's time for me to step away, take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the best company ever, among other things. This is Eric Whiteman, and we'll be back in a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. told you we'd be back and here we are. Welcome back to this edition of Common Sense Investing. I'm your host, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, visit our website. It's xmlfg.com. Once again, it's xmlfg.com. Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway has picked up steam here in the last couple of weeks. Remember, I think Berkshire, symbol BRK. We buy the B shares, so it's BRKB. I think it's a buy under 200. They released earnings, and at first glance, they were phenomenal. They were unbelievable. Quarterly net income more than quadrupled to $18.5 billion from just over $4 billion. That's a $14.5 billion jump, but $11.4 billion of that was due to an accounting change. So don't get so excited. Berkshire now includes unrealized gains and losses on its equity investments. So as Buffett had warned in his annual letter, earnings are going to become much more volatile, not because of any change in the business, but because the market may drive the value of their publicly held securities. They'll drive those values up and down in any given quarter. Anyhow, You shouldn't pay too much attention to the investment gains or losses. What I thought was the bigger news here was that they bought back over $900 million in stock during the quarter. This is something that they haven't done since December of 2012. 2012, they bought back both the A and the B shares with the average price on the B shares being $207. So. Perhaps my $200 buy price is a little stingy. You know I'm cheap already, but maybe I'm being a little stingy here. If you buy it at 207 or less, I guess I really can't argue with you since Buffett did it, and he knows the numbers better than anyone. Now, this quarter's earnings release only ran through the end of September, and with an ugly October, it'll be interesting to see how much, if any, stock they bought back this past month. Another stock that I've been adding to 
portfolios has been AT&T, symbol T. Over the last two, three weeks, we've bought Berkshire, the B shares. We've bought Caterpillars, symbol CAT, which I talked about last week or the week before. And we've also added some AT&T. Now, T is not some great growth story by any means, but what it does give us is some stability and a whole lot of income in an income-starved world. That's really what it is. At $30, you're getting the stock that's paying a 6.5% dividend, and you hopefully get some upside to it. I don't like making the comparison between AT&T stock and a bond because they're just two different animals. One's a stock and one's a bond and there's different levels of risk and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I don't want to make that comparison. Anyhow, AT&T released earnings. It must be almost a month ago and, and they weren't great. They missed Wall Street's estimates mainly because of weak trends in its pay TV business, which I'm not a big fan of, and a surprise loss of monthly wireless subscribers. My guess is that they're losing some market share to Verizon, symbol VZ, which is also a fine company. AT&T acquired Time Warner back in June for uh, just about $85 billion. And there really hasn't been enough time to see any sort of benefit from this merger. My guess is it's going to take some time to leverage the new media assets like CNN and HBO. All in all, it was a pretty ho-hum quarter, and the stock went below 30. Where AT&T sits now, it's the cheapest it's been in 15 years. They're trading at eight times earnings and about half of what the average company in the S&P is trading for. It'll probably grow low single digits, maybe 4%. That's a pittance, right? But 4% growth and a better than 6% dividend? Well, you put those two together and you end up getting a decent total return. And I do think that you're more likely to see multiple expansion than you are to see multiple contraction. I always like having some defensive names in the portfolio. And with volatility picking up, I suggest you look at adding some of these names too. Well, we've run out of time for today, so we're going to wrap it up here. We'll be back next Wednesday, the day after Veterans Day. And to all you veterans out there, thank you. So we'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. 
XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.